All right. Well, um, I want to invite some friends up who um, just got back yesterday um, from the Poland-Ukraine border. Uh, they uh, came. So come on up. Come on, team. All right. And um, so uh, we had a, a crew of four people from Antioch uh, head out. Um, uh, Samantha and Chris Surface, right here. Uh, Elizabeth's not married to Wiley. Uh, this Elizabeth Huss, who's our mission director. Wiley's married to Danielle in the back, who's very grateful that Wiley's back. So are the kids. Super excited. Uh, but these guys um, left a week ago. Uh, obviously, we are kind of all aware of what's going on in Ukraine and the refugee crisis, up to 3 million plus people. And Acts of Mercy is um, uh, a ministry that's been developed here. Uh, and or, I'm sorry that we are a chapter of it, kind of like if you guys know of Unbound, our anti-human trafficking ministry. Um, we are part of that. We have our own chapter here of Unbound. It's doing incredible work in our community and the surrounding counties and the same desires for Acts of Mercy to not only be crisis response, but to go to the next level. But initially right now, there's an assessment being done with Acts of Mercy out of Waco here and other places to say, Lord, what can we do as the local church? What can the church do uh, through this, this, this uh, missional arm of Acts of Mercy so that we can help what's going on over there? And it's chaotic and it's crazy. But these guys went bravely and went for a week and endured um, and just wanted them to share a little bit of kind of their experience with us to bring us into it. So go for it. Awesome. Well, okay. Hold on. It's green. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, I just, I, I feel like I wanted to start by just thanking this body because we had so much support, so like so, so much support of prayer and encouragement. I mean, constantly through this week, people were texting us words. And I, re I really do believe in what I love about this church is it's like we are one body. So if we go, we all go in some capacity. And so um, we're really thankful for everybody here. And so um, we wanted to share just a couple of testimonies from the week because I'm just blown away. You go to a situation like the Ukraine-Poland border and God is just moving in power. And of course he is. It's just we don't hear that on the news, you know. And so um, what we did this past week was we teamed up, we kind of went to assess where could Acts of Mercy in our church serve? Where are their needs? Where can we not just reinvent the wheel, but where can we have, where can we meet practical needs, but also minister the gospel? And so, um, we spent several days right on the Ukraine-Poland border, um, with another like-minded organization as well. And some of what we did was we, we crossed right over into the Ukraine border, which is right there, just on the border. We didn't go very far in. And so I just, I just, I just need to preface that, you know. It's in, it's in sight right there. And so there is just queues of people lined up. I mean, while we were there, some people would wait over eight hours. And then before we got there, people would wait days in this line to cross into Poland. And so, um, and then there was these huge coach buses just filled with women and children, just lined up all the way down as far as you could see. And so we would just go bus to bus, car to car, and we would tell people about anti-human trafficking because human trafficking is a really huge problem on the border and Unbound is actually addressing it in really amazing ways right now over there. Um, and then we'd also just share with them about Jesus and not in a way that's, I mean, it's a sensitive environment. Everybody's incredibly sensitive, obviously, but just telling them that, you know, there is hope in Jesus Christ. And when you cross this border, you know, like you will cross another border one day into life, into heaven or hell, and just giving them that opportunity. And every single time there were just dozens of hands that would be risen to accept Jesus. And so 
I can't say here how many because I don't know everyone's hearts, but it was so, so, so encouraging. And um, there was one day where we were working, Elizabeth and I were working in a refugee center, and um, there must have been like, I mean, hundreds, just hundreds of people just, just coming in and coming, uh, cycling in, cycling out, getting on buses and being shipped to other countries in Europe to move their lives. It was just crazy. And so we had a few Ukrainian Russian speakers with us that would help us minister, engage with these families. And this situation happened to me like countless times where there was, you know, a, mo- a mom, it's all women and children. So like when we were working at the border, what we also saw was just husbands and grandfathers and brothers saying goodbye to their loved ones. And it was, it, was, it was just, it was so, it was amazing. And then just to see the resiliency of this, you know, these moms with like four kids being like, okay, we're crossing into our new life. It was just amazing. And, um, but so, Chris is like, speed up. Okay. Um, and so we were, um, we were in this refugee center and there was one moment in particular, there was a child that was just crying and crying and crying. And so I went up to this kid and I gave him, you know, like a, something to play with like a toy or a coloring book. And he immediately stopped crying and he was playing with a book. And I was like, yes, you know, I can't, I can't speak, I can not speak Ukrainian. So sometimes it is really challenging to be there because you're like, I can't speak your language. And I looked up and then I just stood up and I looked at the mom right in the eyes and she just starts bawling, you know? And, and so I just give her a hug and I hold her and I just start praying for her. And a friend came over and just translated my prayer and just told her like why we came. And she was like, why on earth would you come from Texas? You know, like, like I, that doesn't make any sense, you know, just so overwhelmed. And I, I, we were just like, because Jesus came for us and there's really nowhere else we'd rather, I, I can't tell you how many people would love to come right now. You know, we, we love you and there's hope, you know, and we just share that. And that was the message we would just share with people. And um, it was sweet. And we'd hand them these little cards in Ukrainian that would say, do not be afraid, the Lord is with you, you know, and you'd hand it to them and they would just immediately, you know, be touched by the Lord. And so those were a few things I'm gonna hand it to Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, impromptu, s- small little encouragement. So something that, um, so if we talked about the heartbreak that we saw, I mean, we'd be here for five hours just, you know, making you all discouraged about humanity. It was really, really, really sad. Uh, I'm being, being honest. Uh, and, uh, but something that really uh, did uh, speak to me this week was seeing the church respond. Um, and I mean that sincerely. If you can mix that, like being encouraged with like, uh, reservation, I would say that going after the things of God is not just clean cut and it's all glory. It's like kind of a, a process and a wrestle. But man, in in our response, we met people from New Zealand, Poland, Ukraine, uh, people from Ukraine going back to minister, South America, uh, Norway. I mean, like maybe every country. I don't know. Uh, and I, I was just reminded of the remnant of the church. And one specific story was a guy who if you can think my exact opposite, I mean, just think my exact opposite is like, I would not ever be friends with this guy, probably. And, uh, but just such a pure hearted guy. No one could question that. And Wiley and I came walking across the border one night and uh, we, we had been out at refugee centers all day. We come walking across the border and this crazy, he's called the happy guy, just crazy, joyful guy, German man. And he's preaching through a translator as we walk up and he's just there if you were going to criticize someone for not preaching the full gospel, you could probably p- criticize this guy, right? Because he's just saying, Jesus loves you. You need to know that he loves you. And he's weeping as he shares it. God loves you. He has a plan for you. There's no th- like deep theology there. But like the heart that Wiley and I were hit with was like, I mean, I think we were both about to like 
just drop on the floor. We're like, this man loves these people. And um, it really moved me. Um, and uh, so just wanted to share that. Very encouraged by the people of God uh, responding. So. So one more quick story. Um, we were on the Ukrainian side of the border one day and passing out, you know, flyers about trafficking and also the little track that said, like, don't be afraid. God is with you. And um, this Ukrainian aid worker comes up to me. He was a medical aid worker. And he was like, what are you passing out? And so I showed him and he was like, oh, wow. And he pulls a, a New Testament Bible out of his bag immediately. And also these little cards that have a Bible verse on them. And he's, he just starts speaking to me. And I was like, I think he's sharing a testimony, but I can't really understand. So I went and grabbed a translator and I walk up and my teammate, Daniel, who knows Russian, um, was there talking to another Ukrainian man and he's just qu quoting scripture. And I'm like, okay, who are these people? And, um, and so this aid worker was telling me how 14 years ago, um, this man told him, you need to repent of your sins. Like he believed in Jesus, but had never fully repented. Um, and his wife was on, his, on her deathbed at the time. And so when he fully repented, he encountered God and he felt led to go pray for his wife, lay, lay his hands on his wife and pray. She was radically healed. Um, and then he said how like earlier this week, he prayed for someone in line at the border to be healed and they were healed. Um, and then as we're standing there all talking, he goes and hands, like he just by himself silently, goes and hands this New Testament Bible to this other man that walked up to the cafe um, and then he starts sharing with this person and it was just like, wow, like the church is, is here. It is still alive. And, and like, I don't want to downplay the fact that the church in Ukraine needs so much prayer. I mean, congregations have left, pastors have left, pastors have stayed and their whole congregation and support has left, you know, like it is being like decimated in many ways. But I just was like, wow, Putin can destroy the country, but he cannot destroy the church. Um, and like the gates of hell cannot overcome, cannot like overcome the church. And so I was just like, wow, even in the midst of darkness, the light cannot be overcome and is here. And so then um, one of those guys was like, man, well, this is a great time to just pray. Let's all just pray for Ukraine and Russia right now. So the four of us just gathered and prayed all together. And it was just like, wow, thank you, God, for this encounter. And just for us to be able to see, you know, there, there are people, locals still here doing the work of God. So yeah. Yeah. We have time for another. All right. Uh, wow. Um, so my name is Wiley. Um, and the reality <laughs> of everything that I saw was just hitting me back there for the first time. And uh, so I wanted to share with y'all how to pray. Holy moly. Uh, like Sam shared, families are walking to the border. I'm sorry, I'm a father of four. <laughs> and uh, I'll just share this. Daniel, our other teammate, he, so one of the ways we were helping was picking up people's luggage, which was all that they had left, taking it to the border for them because there's a lot of wives and children and old ladies. And... Uh, Daniel helped this one family. He was the one who could speak Russian. He was talking with them on the way to the border. 
He gets to the border, stops, says, can I pray for y'all? He's like, yes, of course. He prays for them. The man turns around, starts walking away. And he said he just turned and mouthed. <laughs> he just mouthed, thank you, in Russian. And then just turned and went back to the war, potentially to never see his family again. If there's one thing that you're praying for, pray for the people, for the provision of God. Pray for their hearts, these mothers, taking their babies to a foreign country. They don't know how they're going to get there. And pray for the hand of God to fall upon Ukraine. Pray for this war to end quick, quickly. Oh, yeah. Um, and just one more thing. We prayed for a, a lady. She had gotten out of her car. She looked well-to-do. Probably late 40s, early 50s. And uh, we would just come up to her like, hey, can, you, uh, can we pray for you? She's like, yes, please. Sometimes you would get that. Sometimes you would get, no, nah, I'm good. Uh, and uh, so I pray for her through our translator. And she just turns and she's like, thank you. Jesus sent you to me to encourage me. She's like, I'm a believer. I love Jesus with all my heart. And uh, I believe that Jesus sent you here today on my worst day to encourage me. <laughs> I just want to encourage you. If you have a heart for Ukraine, if, if you feel like the Lord is leading you, Go, go. It is the greatest privilege of my life to have gone. Even if it was just to encourage that one lady um, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. It was amazing. Okay, we're just going to take this moment and pray. Why don't you pray, Chris? God, we, um, <clears throat> we thank you that you say that, um, that the Spirit prays through us with um, groanings that can't be uttered even when we don't know what to speak and pray. And that's kind of how I feel. I feel like I don't have the words to express the need, the provision. So we just ask, God, would you pour out the Spirit of God on the land of Ukraine, on Europe, um, as as even ungodly people are responding and trying to help and trying to be a blessing. God, we ask that as they cross um, the border of Poland into Hungary, into the surrounding countries, God, would you remind them that there is a heavenly border that they are invited into where there is no war, there's no famine, where their inheritance cannot be stolen by an enemy. God, so we pray for the provision of God over these people. God, we ask that you would move in signs and wonders that you would put bravery and courage into the hearts of your church, not maybe even to go where it's dangerous, but to go where it's uncomfortable, um, to, to go to languages they don't understand and cultures that are different. God, would you write, uh, prepare a people, God, holy and set apart for the work of God. And so we ask for your blessing and your favor. Um, we say, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Um, would you do what is in your heart through your people? Would there be a people with a yes on their hearts, God, even in their fears or their, 
their not lack of understanding. God, would the church's response be, yes, Lord, whatever you say, little or small, whatever it's giving, would it be little or small? Would we say yes, if it's going, if it's praying? God, um, I ask for a spirit of intercession in this church right now um, that we would be burdened. Um, like Paul prays, he said, God, if, if, even if it means cutting me off, that these people would know you, God, would that be in our hearts, Lord? Even if it meant separation from you, would our hearts cry out for the people of Ukraine, the people of Russia? God, I pray that bitterness would not have a place in Europe towards Russia. In the church, God, would the church see Russians as the people of God? Would they pray for them? Would they pray for their leader? God, would you work and, and power? And um, yeah, so I don't, I don't really... Um, know what to pray, Lord, but just ask that you'd come, um, that you'd come quickly, and uh, we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, guys. <clears throat> well, you know, it's tough to hear uh, the realities of what's going on in a different part of the world, right? Um, I think for us as people, I think for the last month, um, no matter how you've gotten your news sources or if it's been through social media or news outlets or whatever, YouTube, that um, we've all been exposed to something that most of us in our lifetime have never been exposed to. And um, I think I shared a few weeks ago that, you know, uh, I was born in 1982, and the Vietnam War was over by then. And the Gulf War, and uh, Afghanistan, Iraq, and um, these pieces, and even the Syrian Civil War and what, and what had happened there, um, in so many ways, they felt distant to us, I think, as Americans, for some reason. They, it felt different. And for me, growing up, it felt pretty isolated. Um, in terms of what those conflicts were. And yet, here I am at 39 years old, and it's 2022, and after what the world had just been through with COVID these last couple of years, uh, it's a stark contrast to what we all thought um, maybe was happening in the world or maybe what we were led to believe about humanity and societies, and that they're... Um, that sin is actually really prevalent on planet Earth. It's not gone. It's not eradicated. As much as we've got our own sinful issues and challenges in our own nation and in our own town, that exists everywhere in the world. And yet Jesus came 2,000 years ago and sent his Holy Spirit today to equip the saints and to give us courage and hope and faith to push back on the darkness like people have been doing for thousands of years. It's not different. It may be shocking. It may be new for us. But every generation in one way or another has to face the darkness and decide if they will press in or they'll pull back. And so I, I, I don't know what it is. I mean, you can take anything. You can take it on a personal level and family and the turmoil and conflicts and 
divorces and brokenness, or you can take a global scale, potentially war. You can take um, uh, things that are happening in destructive ways, and you can look at it, and you have a decision to make. Everyone, no one's making that for you, to say, I will press in to the Lord and press into a place of faith and hope and truth, or I will pull back and wither away. And I don't know what believers are thinking today in America. I don't know what they're thinking in Ukraine, those that are bogged down or those that have crossed the border that our team got to interface with. I don't know. But what I do know is that there is one God and there is one Jesus and that miraculously and mysteriously and supernaturally, Jesus Christ is able to be ministering through the Holy Spirit to people all over the earth 24-7, that he is ministering, he is healing, he is, he is renewing minds and hearts, he is saving people, he's convicting them of their sin all over the earth, and he is doing the miraculous. Most of the stories we will never hear of. We won't. But God knows them all. And I don't understand why everything's happening. Um, uh, I don't think anyone really does. <laughs> but what I do know is that um, one day Jesus will return yes, sir. and it will end. Yes, sir. But until he comes back, it's not going to end. Yes, sir. Um, earthquakes and wars yes. and forest fires in West Texas right now where we've got family that are there's miles away from burning their homes down. There's always something. What I'm trying to say is there's always a crisis on planet Earth and there's always destruction happening and the roots of it are found in sin. <laughs> and so our job as believers is to say, hey, how can we not only eradicate it in our own lives, but then help others see the light and be, what they didn't say is this man, I saw pictures one day was dressed up as a unicorn in this big fluffy outfit telling people, Jesus loves you. You know, I mean, I, I, I saw this short little video and I'm like, man, that guy's also different from me, but he seems awesome. I would hire him tomorrow. I don't know what he would do, but just come on. Just, I mean, make him a greeter. Everybody would want to stay. He just seems like, wow, I don't even know the guy. But there's a guy in the midst of immense pain and suffering, and he is bringing joy. Amen. He is bringing joy. And did you know that joy can heal the trauma, yeah. right? And, 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 and I don't know him, but I've got to believe that joy is not manufactured, yeah. that it is inspired, it is filled by the Holy Spirit, and that joy is overflowing. So... I share that because today we're going to talk about faith. I'm just going to be super brief today um, because I felt like I wanted us to hear just a little bit of what's happening so that we're not just deeply discouraged. Yeah. And just, you know, it's okay to be discouraged, right? Like that's part of the human experience, yeah. but then we've got to be encouraged, yeah. right? And so we just have to understand how to navigate that. And that's very challenging. Like, it's hard. It's, I guess it's like how we mature, but it's hard to like, on one hand, 
see someone going through something so painful and traumatic and be there in it with them and then to go have lunch. You know, like it's difficult. Or to be in the pain with someone but then go to a friend's birthday party and celebrate them. Does that make sense? Like that is life and death is part of every day. Whether we see it or not, in the eternal sense, in the soul salvation sense, and in the fleshly sense. And we as believers cannot be afraid of taking life on. And at the same time, to not be so overwhelmed by it that we are stuck and frozen to do nothing, to believe nothing, and, and to give up. Yeah. Right? So I, I just want to share a, a, couple of, uh, a couple of passages today. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 5, starting in verse 5, it's the story of the, the centurion. I just want to look at a few passages as it relates to people's faith in Jesus, okay? Faith in Jesus and what Jesus can do, because this whole series is about the radiance of his glory. What we are going to see again is Jesus radiating his glory, like the glory of God is being displayed, because remember, Jesus is the exact representation. He is, he, is the, he is revealing the nature of the Father, the heart of the Father. And when you read through the Old Testament, you don't get the fullness of who the Father is because when Jesus came, he came to do it. Like, people knew in part the heart of God, but fully he came to fulfill the law and the prophets. Therefore, he came to fulfill all that we thought. He came to say, no, no, I'm going to show you what he's really like. Yeah. This is what God is really like. So again, whenever someone asks you, man, I wonder what God is really like. Just tell them, oh, I know what he's really like. He's like Jesus. So let's read everything we can about Jesus. Take it into our heart and say, Lord, let us be like you. We are image bearers of you. Therefore, we need your help to reveal, to reflect your image to other people. So we want to be like Christ, not Mike. I love Michael Jordan. He's a great athlete. We want to be like Christ. That is our goal, right? All right, so here we go. Matthew chapter 8. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go and he goes and to another, come and he comes and to my servant, do this. And he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. And a few verses later, it says, and to the centurion, Jesus said, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Now, a Roman centurion um, is a Gentile, right? In this day and age, he is a Gentile, and he's asking Jesus, who is a Jew, to heal his servant. And by the way, this centurion had a hundred men under him, under his authority. 
And so he understands authority, but he's also under authority. So he recognizes Jesus. And on some level, he had to understand something about the kingdom and how it worked with the authority structure. Because even in this sense, he is demonstrating a great measure of humility, but with his faith. It is, it is a humble faith. It is a, I'm going to humble myself to the point of saying, no, I'm not even worthy for you to come into my home. And you know, as a Roman centurion, he also knew probably the laws of the Jews, which was Jews cannot enter the home of Gentiles or else it makes them unclean. So he probably knew that. So he's actually being quite courteous to Jesus. But yet with his faith level, he's saying, you don't even have to come to my house. But he had probably heard some stories of Jesus healing people, laying hands on them and touching them. But he has a faith that maybe even supersedes what has already been done, which is you don't even have to come. Just say it miles away and it will be. And so for the statement from Jesus Christ to say, truly, I tell you with no one in Israel, that's a lot of people. With no one in Israel have I found such faith. I want us to see the significance of this statement. He is under authority. He acknowledges the authority of Jesus. And he says, just a word is enough. All I need is a word from you. You don't even have to get near me. You don't even have to get close to my servant. And by the way, he's a Roman centurion, which means he has his servants or whatever. And he is petitioning Jesus to heal one of his servants. It's not his son. It's not his wife. It's not his brother. It's a servant. Which means something in this man's heart is saying, I actually care about the people that work for me. There is something. And so Jesus sees all this, obviously. Here's a man of humility. He's an authority. Yes, he's a Roman centurion. He's a Gentile. But man, his heart is for his servants. And he believes I have more authority and power than probably any of these Jews have believed this whole time. Maybe even more so than his own disciples at that time. I don't know. But the level of authority and how he comes to him is significant. And the humility by which he came. Because what I want us to see with the centurion is his faith. It was coupled with humility. I had a big talk with my kids yesterday. And um, I'm not going to have them share what the whole talk was about. But it was one of those talks. And um, I shared a few things with them. And one of the things that I said to them was that um, we expect more of them as children to be obedient and respectful to mom and dad, teachers and authorities in their lives. And we're all on our journey of that. But my little hearty kids is like, hey, I expect more because there's more in you. I'm not expecting something you can't do. I'm not asking you to jump 20 feet in the air. I'm asking you to do something that's within your power to do, but you have to make the choice to do it. It's like humility. There, there's not a pill you can take, right? There's not a diet. Um, humility is in your power. You, you, you don't need an outside force you just need to surrender and submit. That's it. 
So I just, for us as a church, I believe Jesus was drawn to reply to his request to heal his servant because of his humility and his level of faith. His humility and his faith. He understood the authority of Jesus and he came humbly. Sometimes we come arrogantly and proud. And God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Gives grace, that unmerited favor. Yes, I will heal your servant. Absolutely. That is what I want us to see. And that he believed for something that maybe he had never heard of. I don't know that for sure. But I'd like to think that this centurion was believing for Jesus to do something that actually there was no precedent for. To do the impossible. To believe for more. To believe for greater things. Not just, oh, that's been done before. Let's do that. Actually, Jesus, I believe you're so powerful. You could do something that's never been done. That, I think, is why he's saying the level of faith I've not found anywhere. Let's go to another passage, Luke chapter 8. Now, when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he, had only, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. Let me pause. This is a ruler, an official in the synagogue, okay? So the first story, we're talking about this Roman centurion. This is a Jew, a leader, religious leader or servant in the synagogue. He was honored and esteemed to some level in society. Yet, just like the centurion, he humbles himself by going to the feet of Jesus, literally in this desperate place, imploring him to come to his house and rescue his daughter from death, who had not died yet, but was dying. Let's continue. As Jesus went, so he's on his way there, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Now that's interesting. The Roman centurion, I've not seen anyone with greater faith in all of Israel, humbles himself, asks Jesus to heal his servant. This woman, as Jesus is on the way to heal this daughter who is dying, this woman comes in the mix and she is already ostracized. She's already tried every form of medical help and he, she touches him. And yet what's interesting is that Peter says what? Jesus, there's crowds all around you. There's tons of people touching you. But he identifies, no, there is someone who touched me in a different way. Yeah. In fact, she touched the hem of his garment and he felt the power go out. So how is it 
that tens or maybe hundreds of people are touching Jesus, but no power is leaving him. But the one woman who has the faith touches him and the power comes. What is the difference? I don't know. I'm not going to judge every single person touching him. But I suspect that the faith level of this woman, coupled with her humility, is why power went out to touch her. I'm sure other sick people were touching Jesus. You can't imagine that everybody is just a, you know, 100% healthy. Jesus, we're good. We're just here to high five. I don't think that. I think people are there like wanting to hear him, but also like, man, I've got this cut or I've got this broken arm or maybe blind. And they're touching him and he's walking through the crowd. And yet she's the one who gets healed. There could have been others, but that's all that's recorded. And that she was singled out as someone that had enough faith and a desperate faith to be healed. The Roman centurion didn't sound desperate, but maybe he was. I don't know. Jairus, this other guy, he's desperate. He gets to Jesus' feet. We'll get back to him in just a minute. This woman is desperate. There is no plan B. I want us to see that Jesus responds. It is drawn to desperation. He is drawn to us when we say there is no other way. This is it. This is desperation. The people they were ministering to on the border of Poland, they are desperate. There is nothing else. That's why these Ukrainians are probably so open to the gospel right now, because they have nothing left. There is no home. There is no life. Possibly will never see their husbands again the rest of their lives. And they are leaving a country. They don't know if they'll ever return. They don't have a plan B. This is it. This is desperation time. And all that I know is that throughout world history and certainly in the Gospels, man, when people are desperate, coupled with faith, he moves. He moves. He's able all the time. But I think in the kingdom of God, there's something to the hunger level or the desperation coupled with faith that then he moves on. Does it make any sense? You can be desperate but not have faith. Does it make any sense? And you can have faith, but it, maybe it's got five options. Does it make any sense? And we do that. I mean, I do that. You know, it's like, I don't want to do that. I would rather just, I'd rather be the guy who says, I've never seen anyone like faith in America. You know, that, that Tyler. You know, I mean, that's not me. Doesn't say that about me, you know? But man, shouldn't we hunger for that? Yes. To hunger for that level of faith. And what does he say, though? Daughter, your faith has made you well. Hallelujah. Go in peace. And do you see the identity he puts on her? Do you see that? Daughter. Not bleeding woman. Ostracized. People weren't hanging out with her. She was impoverished and slowly dying. And everybody knew it. Probably in that town. And yet he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Don't you see the unicorn man, German man, bounce up and down at the border? Jesus loves you. He loves you. He has a plan for you. He loves you. There might be other people there saying, hey, man, where's the full gospel? Hey, don't they need to read through the Bible before? They I don't think so.
God's calling out people. They just need to know his name. It doesn't say by the knowledge that you have, you will be saved. It says those who believe. It says those who confess their sins. It's in Jesus Christ alone. He is Lord and Savior. It's the man on the other cross next to him. He says, today you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't know a whole lot. He's acknowledged. Oh, you're him. Do we see? We overcomplicate life. And when there is no war, we make it way more complicated. But when war comes, life gets pretty simple, doesn't it? Wow. I'm just thankful I get to see my wife and kids today. When there's war, we complain a whole lot less. There's not much to complain about anymore. It's just, I'm just glad I woke up today. Do you understand? We need to come out of the complaining culture and a prideful culture as a people for us in America into a desperate for God, surrendered life, humility, and our faith level needs to go up. Every one of us. I just want to finish the story out. I'm going to invite the band up here just a minute. So this woman is healed. And then in verse 49, it says, while he was still speaking... So he just healed this woman, daughter, your faith made you well, for he's still speaking. Someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, do not fear, only believe, only believe, and she'll be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James. And the father and the mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. Yes, sir. And they laughed at him. Never laugh at Jesus. That's <laughs> not good. <laughs> Knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, called, saying, child, arise. And her spirit returned. And she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given to her to eat. She's probably hungry. She said, do not fear. Only believe and she will be well. And this instance, Jesus went to the house. And what did he say? Child, arise. But he took her hand. Took her by the hand. And he touched her and warmed her up. He said, arise. Jesus is demonstrating his power, but it is faith without fear. We cannot fear. Even in this desperate moment, I was looking it up. I think I'm correct in this, but this was the second recorded time someone had been raised from the dead in the Gospels. Before Lazarus, this is the second one. Which means the other time it happened, it was a widow's son had passed away. And as they were carrying him out to bury him, all of a sudden he got healed and probably freaked everybody out. <clears throat> and awoke and he's alive. But I just, you know, they didn't have the news we had these days. I don't know if anyone had known that story in this town. So this little 12-year-old girl, Jesus again is saying, hey, this 12-year-old, she matters. 
she matters and I'm going to heal her. And by the way, this was the man at the synagogue who served in the religious group sector and Jesus was willing to heal his daughter. Jesus was willing to heal the Roman centurion's servant, the Gentile, the pagan, the one who maybe didn't believe or, or anything. There wasn't a condition placed on that servant's healing. There was a condition placed on the little girl. It wasn't her faith. She was dead. It was others' faith. Yeah. It wasn't the servant's faith, Roman centurion. It was, it was the centurion's faith. Do you see? But the desperate, bleeding woman, it was her faith. Do you see? You can't put Jesus in a box and say he only does it like this. We like to do that because we're uncomfortable with mystery. We are uncomfortable with mystery. We're uncomfortable with the unknown. How many galaxies are there? I have no idea. You'll never know. How many stars? Keep guessing. You will have no idea. It is so ridiculously vast. Just get over it and just say, let God be God and let me be a human, right? I, I'm, not, I'm not knocking knowledge or wisdom. I'm, those are amazing. And there's been amazing advances made in science and medicine and everything else. It's been incredible. But usually when we go down that road, for many people, they are left then trying to put God in a box that they can reason and put an algorithm around. And you can't do that. He is still God. We're on our journey. And every discovery we make should lead us to say, wow, he is more amazing than I ever knew. He is more incredible than I actually ever thought. Not, oh, I figured him out. Do you understand me? Because when you look at these as test cases, say, well, there's only 12 ways Jesus will heal. I have to be internally bleeding, some sort of military officer guy. I mean, but people do this. You know what I'm saying? They... They take it and they create a, a, a policy around it or, oh, this is the only way. And it's like, no, no, What's the heart of all this? The heart is Jesus is inviting us to take our faith level up. He's inviting us to desperately approach him. And he's inviting us to do it with humility. And by the way, without fear, to not be afraid. But guys, if we want the miraculous more present in this church and in this town, it has nothing to do with God doesn't care. Amen. Amen. It has nothing to do with, well, he's, he's busy elsewhere. Oh, right, right. It has everything to do with us. I share these stories, and there's lots more, because every single one of them was completely dependent upon the person's faith level. Jesus is able 24-7. It's not like he's zapped or he gets too tired. He can't heal. Or someone say, if you read the scriptures, there's no one that came to Jesus he didn't heal. Healed everybody. Anyone who came to him, anyone, it's just healing. Jesus is readily available. It's just us. It's all of us. And so my encouragement this morning, I just want to invite the band up as we end this morning, is just to say, Lord, would you, would you help us to believe again? Because I think that there's been unbelief that we've all uh, taken upon ourselves, right? So I want to invite you guys to stand this morning. I'm going to read this last little passage here in Matthew chapter 9 as we close our time. <clears throat> and as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, 
be it done to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, see that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame throughout all the district. They got healed and then disobeyed Jesus. You can work that one through. Did they go back to blindness? I don't think so. That just proves the point. Jesus is way better than us. <laughs> He'll heal you even if you turn rebellious and disobey him. Because he loves you. He loves you. His mercy triumphs his, trumps his judgment. His grace is enough. Like, I want you guys to see that in this moment, these blind men who came, Jesus asked them a simple question. Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said, yes. So that's the one in this morning. Do you believe that I am able to do this? Do you believe that Jesus is able to do this? And guys, it, it's a renewing of the mind. It's a renewing of the heart. It's a, Lord, help me to not just go to the medicine cabinet as my first reaction every time. I, we all want to do that. Or, Lord, help me not just to look for another way to fix this deal. Have, Lord, help me. Spirit of God, convict me to say, oh, oh, oh pause. Ask me first. Like, come to me first. Right? Like, this, like, come to me. Like, do you believe? Do you? And Lord, help us to work through our doubt and our fear and our uncertainty and our pride. Like, that's what I want for us. All of us. I want us to but work that through and say, Lord, I, I want to be increasing, not decreasing. I want to increase. I want to see your glory more and more. I want to see people saved and healed. I want my own heart to be freed. I want the miraculous to be present because I want people to see and know that you are God and my God is able. My God is able. I just want to pray for us this morning that the Lord would put that in our hearts. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would put it in us that we would believe again, Lord. I pray for me. I pray for everyone here and everyone watching Lord, that you would put it in us again to believe. To not get sidetracked with, well, that was a long time ago, or, well, that just happens on the mission field, or, but Lord, to believe again that you are able. That's the simple question, the one you asked the blind man, you're asking us, do you believe I'm able to do this? And Lord, it is on us, it's our faith level to say, Lord, let it increase. Help us remove the doubts. Help us to remove the discouragement. Help us to, to not allow our past experiences to determine how we move on. Because we've all missed it. We've all seen people come and go. We've seen sicknesses not healed. But Lord, let us not, let us not rest on that. But say, all right, Lord, well, we need to get our hearts and minds in the right place again, to believe again. And to remind ourselves of the testimonies of the miraculous that have happened before. And to build our faith on that. Not on the disappointments. But to build it on the testimonies of you moving. We pray. Come Lord Jesus. Come and minister to our hearts this morning we pray. In Jesus name. Amen.